Connecticut and Massachusetts, ZM Homes buys houses. Sell your property to the local guys. Needs repairs, updates, maybe foreclosure or inherited? No problem. We gotcha. Google or add us on Facebook at ZandmHomes.com. What is it? What is it? It's Rexy's musical podcast. So it's summertime, and in the world of music, it also happens to be festival season. And as anyone will tell you, some festivals are great, others are run with a real cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach. But one festival tour that's taking place this summer has taken a totally different route, and that is the Is For Lovers Festival, which has been put together by the band Hawthorne Heights. And what they've done is really pretty interesting. Since 2001, the band Hawthorne Heights has released seven albums, including The Silence is Black and White in 2004 and If Only You Were Lonely in 2006, both of which went gold, sparking hits like Ohio is for Lovers, Nikki FM, and Saying Sorry, all of which were top 40 hits in the U.S. alternative charts. But the story behind Hawthorne Heights is a lot more complicated than that. This is a band originally from Dayton, Ohio, that stuck together through breakthrough commercial success management troubles, a name change, legal issues, and through unexpected tragedy. Stuff that not every band typically survives, but they have. And part of that is due to the commitment that the band has towards the music and to each other. And they've done it by using the same intensity to create a compelling new approach to putting a show on the road. Last year, in 2022, Hawthorne Heights organized and curated the brief Three City Is For Lovers Festival Tour. The tour took the band through Wichita, Kansas, Denver, Colorado, and Cincinnati. Each stop on that tour included slightly different lineups that included bands like The Descendants, The Wonder Years, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, Thursday, and many others. This year, the festival has been expanded to eight cities around the country that include stops in Hawaii, Lake Tahoe, Salt Lake City, the Outer Banks in North Carolina, Cincinnati, Denver, Council Bluffs, Iowa, Silverado, California, Pelham, Tennessee, and Mansfield, Massachusetts, where things wrap up on September 17th with Alkaline Trio and Rise Against topping the bill. It's a totally DIY undertaking that wisely incorporates the local flavor of each participating city. The festival is a pretty unique idea, and to talk about that and how it was put together is Hawthorne Heights lead singer J.T. Woodruff. He's my guest today on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Hey, there you are. This, I hope, will be easier than, <laughs> than the previous situation. You know what? Um, I, I, it, it's all fine. I want to make this really easy on you since you answered a third of my questions already. So. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to have you. I'm glad we got a good connection, and and thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. You know, like uh, any time that we can simply talk music as, as a couple of human beings is a good day. So I, I appreciate the coverage and the conversation. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for, uh, you know, oh, it, taking it, time out of your schedule. It's absolutely my, uh, my pleasure. You know, I, I've, uh, you know, I've been reading up on, on the tour and, uh, you know, going back and, and on your history. And it's, it's really all, it's really interesting what the, what this tour is all about. And, and as I told you a couple of days ago, I've lived in, in Massachusetts my entire life, we've never been known 
uh, for lovers in 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 Massachusetts. <laughs> if you want to you want to talk about disappointing sports teams, that's one thing. But uh, we we could use all the help we can get. So. Tell me about about this tour. I know you started it last year in three cities. You've expanded it to to eight for this year. But but tell me about the creation of uh, the uh, the Is for Lovers Festival. Yeah, you know, first of all, we would have never thought twenty years would have passed where somebody still cares about a song <laughs> that has Ohio specifically in it. So, you know, we're trying to bring a little bit of that that laid back midwestern vibe up the east coast a little bit for you maybe soften up the people from massachusetts uh <laughs> give you a little chill for a little bit yeah uh bring the bring the cornfields up there for you but um yeah it's it's really just about uh the culmination of of the hard work of the diy music scene and how everybody is you know, it's it's an all hands on deck situation. It always has been. You know, all these bands grew up playing in in basements, in rental halls, and forging their own path and their own career. And a lot of us shot out of a cannon just due to our hard work, our ethics, and our love for humanity and the music scene. So that's kind of what this whole uh, Is for Lovers Festival is about. It's about inclusion. It's about locality and regionality and some of our favorite places in the world some of the places where our fans have just treated us so well that's where we want to be we always want to be in locations that have positive nostalgia not toxic <laughs> nostalgia to it and uh, massachusetts has always been one of those great places for us so it just it totally made sense um we love the culture up there it's always funny to like you know, we got our first Dunkin' Donuts down here maybe four years ago, five years ago or something like that. So, like, that used to be a big thing for us. You know what I mean? You get up to the all the way to the top of the United States and you're like, Dunkin's everywhere. This is crazy. This is awesome. You know, well, you uh, know I know my specific drink. Well, I, I know I know for a fact years ago I used to travel between Massachusetts to uh, Wisconsin and we'd have to take, you know, I-90 through Ohio, because you know, it, I my uh, my ex-wife had you know, family in Milwaukee and a lot of friends there, and there were a couple of times that we're driving through the state of Ohio on uh, the Ohio Turnpike, going, "Well, there's got to be a Dunkin' Donuts here somewhere," and there wasn't. There wasn't another Dunkin' Donuts until Indiana. I'm like, "How does a state even survive <laughs> in this country without a Dunkin' Donuts?" It's unbelievable that there's that there's like this uh, <laughs> there's this value uh, this Dunkin' Donuts vacuum anywhere in the country. It's it's scary, man. Now you know where these songs come from. <laughs> now you know what we had to write these like emo screamo songs because we've been living life without Dunkin' Donuts our whole lives. You can't even get one on our turnpike. It's 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 tough vibes down here, man. That's I, why we got to come up and see you. I don't know how you do it. I do not know how you do it. But I'm glad I'm glad you're coming to Massachusetts. And I think the thing that I really like about this this tour, you know, as the as the name you know alludes to, there's a real local component to these to these shows tell me a little bit about that because I, I think this is really a, a, a real cool approach yeah you know like uh, like i was saying a little bit ago um we're not trying to approach this like a full-fledged tour where you have to like grind every single day so one of the fun things that we like to do is really try to involve local bands local talent local artists um 
in our little like festival community, we want to have like local businesses there. Uh, we normally partner with a local coffee shop and a local uh, donut maker for our backstage. <laughs> and we try to grab local business pieces for that backstage experience. You know, this really is, I guess our mission statement would be uh, by the bands, for the fans, where the band and fan experience meet up together. Right. And we're all just trying to have fun in a cool location. So that that's kind of where that locale comes in. Um, and we try to invite as many people from the local small business community out and, you know, give them a place to show off their talent or their food or their, you know, like whatever it is they do uh, to give them a place to, to be and, and hang out with some, uh, some musicians. With the, the economics of, of touring these days, I mean, like you said, it's, it's not a full fledged tour where you're doing 50 dates. I mean, you've got eight specific cities that you've, that you've chosen very, very carefully with the, the, the economics of touring as, as they are, does that make this, kind of festival easier to do or are there more you know are there other complications involved sure i mean it it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that kind of like some of these it's all fly-ins nobody can route to them mm -hmm. uh you know like a place like hawaii you're not driving the tour bus there you're flying in from wherever you are in the world um and some of these places are easily routable but Sometimes that gets you into a little bit of trouble because the summer is all about festival plays for people, but everybody has fall touring plans. Right. So you can't play Boston twice in, in three months. So are we routing through or are we flying in? Most of these are true fly-ins for people unless they live regionally close. So it does create a different set of problems, but it opens up the entire touring world of bands to us because if you gotta fly in anybody can fly in you know it doesn't matter if they're from japan or from uh massapequa right you know what i mean so like it it creates a little bit of a, a economic drain sometimes but for every bit of that you also get the world is open to you for the talent pool what's what's interesting is you know you the way you're doing it and then, you know, the other bands that you're you're having along on the tour, I mean, Alkaline Trio and, and, and Rise Against and, and, and many others, you've kept the ticket price pretty reasonable. I mean, these are not, you know, Taylor Swift price, you know, concert tickets. I mean, it's a it's a pretty reasonable ticket to get in. Yeah. And, you know, that is definitely one of our mission statements is economically in this climate and with how these bands have grown to be superstars all in their own right. We can't do the $20, $25 ticket like Warp Tour could do. Uh, we wish that those days were still here, but we try to make it as economic as possible for young people, for people of all economic and diverse backgrounds. We want people at these shows. So we, we did try to make it as low as we possibly could. And I think we did a pretty good job with that because there's some heavy hitters on this. You know, Rise Against has massive songs, massive fan base. Alkaline Trio, absolutely legends of the scene. And then you have everybody else that have kind of shot out of that same canon. You know, you got bands like Bayside and mm -hmm. Silverstein, you know, some of our friends from a long time ago. All these bands are headliners in their own right. And uh, having a collection of them all in one spot, you know, it's not free for us but it's not super expensive for the fans. Right. So 
I, I think it's a good balance. I think also I also think it's pretty interesting because you know, in, in in some cases when a when a band is you know deeply involved in the planning of a of like a festival, uh, that uh, there's been no uh, talk about you guys being the headlining act. I mean, Hawthorne Heights is not is not the headliner. You've uh, you've whether it's appropriate or inappropriate, you've taken somewhat of a backseat to allow other bands to kind of, you know, take the, the, the larger spotlight as the, as the, the closing act. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we like, you know how the internet is like a wild place and people just say things, you know, like one of the, one of the positive comments would be, wow, Hawthorne Heights has no ego whatsoever. They put themselves in the middle of the lineup. Uh, that's really cool of them. And then the other side of that coin is, I can't believe a band would start a <laughs> festival and not even be the headliner. And it's like, dudes, I am not going to try to headline over Jimmy World, who is my favorite band in the world. <laughs> I'm not going to try to headline over the Descendants. Right. You know, you just look at this. If you if you have a cool head about it all, you know, like we all want to be there hanging out with our friends just like the fans are. So we put ourselves appropriately positioned where we should fall in any lineup or bill, whether we're running it or some other festival is running it. So like we did the billing true to scope exactly how anybody would, we approve it with everybody. So that way there is no, wow, Hawthorne Heights invited us to this festival and then played over top of us. That's not the vibe <laughs> here. The vibe is we want massive bands. We want tiny bands. We want, people that need the platform and people that already have the platform. We want this to be a love fest. We don't want it to be this like ego driven, look at how big we are or look at, you know, how we can play over top of people. That's not what this is all about. It's not driven that way. This is about everybody having fun and being all in the same position and nobody complaining. We're trying our best to eliminate the complaints <laughs> from whether it be from fans or from bands and agents and managers and stuff, we're all really transparent about this stuff. You know, that's one of the things about a band curating a festival and not just some group of people, you know, right. like we've been there, we know what it's like. I, I think it's a, gr a great approach. When, when, when you and I were, you, you just mentioned the descendants and when you and I were talking the, uh, the other day, you know, last time around last year, the descendants were, were on that tour or at least, you know, one of the dates of the, of the three, and I just, you know, as a fan of the Descendants, and I've been a fan since the the uh, the early '80s. Uh, I, I mean, that had to, I know that you're a big band for you, but that had to be an absolute blast to have the Descendants on on that tour. Absolutely, and you know what, booking a band that are so legendary and so like close to our heart is really like a it's a dream come true moment. And it was really funny to see, like, we've all played our sets. They played last. All the bands are in the amphitheater <laughs> watching together. And I'm talking, there's a hundred of us all tattooed up, all, like, sunburned. And we are watching these this band like a bunch of kids. And we're sitting there talking and just, like, vibing on how wild and massive this punk scene and emo scene has come over the years and we're just sitting there with smiles on our face watching one of our favorite bands play yeah. our festival you never think something like that can happen and anytime you can 
book a legendary act and just enjoy the show and have the best seats in the house, that's tough to mess with, man. That's that's that is dream fuel. I uh, I interviewed Bill Stevenson a couple years ago, uh, and uh, great guy, great Funny guy, great guy, and and a wildly underappreciated drummer too. Uh, the guys, oh, yeah. guys, freaking bananas. But I would have to imagine that you know when you talk about coffee and baristas, the amount of coffee that it takes to get Bill Stevenson on the stage has to be enormous. Absolutely. And, you know, they played Ohio, which is our what we consider to be our flagship show. And uh, we partnered with a, a local coffee shop and we said we need a minimum of 500 cans of cold brew backstage <laughs> because the descendants are coming and they're going to come hot and heavy and they need to be caffeinated. So it was really cool to be able to provide that local element and say, hey, this is the coffee that we drink when we're at home. Here you go. Here it is backstage ready for you. Please let us know if you need more. We'll go get gallon jugs of it. Whatever you need, Bill, it's here for you. <laughs> I'm sure Bill and, and Milo totally appreciate that. Um, I do want to talk about uh, your band here for a little bit. I mean, Hawthorne Heights is now in its its 22nd year, which is absolutely amazing. But the thing that I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I really find remarkable about you guys is the kind of resilience that you've you've built up. I mean, you guys have been through some some pretty high times, but also some you know pretty you know tough stuff as as well, including the uh, the death of uh, Casey Calvert uh, sixteen years ago, which is hard to believe it's been that long. I mean, he wasn't just your guitar player. I mean, this is this was your best friend. Uh, you know, how does a, a band go through those kinds of moments and not either fracture or or just be pulled apart? That had the like the opposite effect for you guys it really kind of kind of galvanized you and, and and pulled you together tell me about about that that moment where you say no we're, we're going to continue on with this yeah definitely it those are those are true moments where you either crumble and evaporate or you try to last for a lifetime yeah you know what i mean like so so losing a best friend early on in your life in your young adult life is really hard and it does it does either like it shows you how short life can be so you're like we can't do this anymore we've got to go get regular jobs or focus on our families and stuff like that or you carry the torch yeah and we've always chosen to carry that torch you know we had a couple of moments very early on in our career where our good friend from bayside john beats passed away in an accident while on our tour that's something that immediately galvanized us and we'll love that band forever because of that. We went through that with them um, and we nursed each other back to health mentally and emotionally and physically. And then when it came, when Casey passed away, the same thing, Bayside was one of the first bands that were there for us. And um, you just realize that this community is very tight knit. And it's very based on feelings, emotions, and ground swelling together to become a, a stronger united front. That is what this punk community is all about. That is what this DIY basement rental hall mentality is. And moments like those have made us stronger and more powerful and made us realize what happens when you lose something. Yeah. This has not all been based on winning. Um, and I think that 
when you take some wins and you take some losses, it kind of levels you out and it makes you, I want to say that it normalizes extraordinary situations, you know? So like one minute you're flying across the world to play in front of a 110,000 people in Japan opening for Metallica. And then one moment, you know, you're in the funeral parlor. So like it shows you how, how short life is and how you really have to remember to smile during the brightest times and to remember the legends that you've lost at the same time. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting that you, that you say that. Cause you know, one of the things that I've, that I've always noticed, um, particularly with bands that have lasted a long time and have been through highs and lows and you guys have, you guys have done that. I mean, you've, you've had, your issues with record labels and, and uh, you know, there's been you know, legal things along the way, like most bands uh, you know, go through. But the guys that have been around for the longest seem to have regained a touch with a certain level of reality, whereas opposed to you're a young kid, you're 18 years old, suddenly you're being thrust into this spotlight you could never possibly have imagined. And it's really kind of this, in some ways, kind of this intoxicating moment, but at the other route that you're not really logged into the way life is at this point in your career you know you can look back at what you've been through and then now look at you know well what's you know what's ahead of us because now it's become now there's a more solid humanity involved in uh in that kind of longevity do, i mean do you see it that way i mean uh, the difference between you now as opposed to when you were 18 19 years old pretty profound difference after the course of 22 years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the big things for us is we never rested in that weird period where it's like party times. Right. You know what I mean? Where the days just blend together and like, it's just countless nights of drinking or, or partying until you fall asleep, you wake up, you do it the next day and it's a blur. We've always been very lucid about the scenario and like for better or for worse, you know what I mean? Like a couple of us are straight edge. We don't do anything whatsoever. We never did throughout the history of the band. And then the other two, I would say at this point are basically the exact same thing. So like when we're going through lows, we are lucid and in it. And when we're going through highs, we're lucid and in it. So like it does, it levels you out. And we've never really had those moments where like, Hey, do you remember that guy? Nah, man, I don't remember that guy. We're like, we're, <laughs> we'll know everybody's face, everybody's name. And I, right. that's kind of what it takes to run the situation that we're in right now. You can't, stuff can't fall through the cracks. So you, you really have to have clarity. And that's the best way that I can describe what has happened throughout our career in the past 20 years or so. Clarity and levity. Yeah. So like you understand the gravity of the situation that you're in and it th those impact moments they hit harder but they they burn out clearer. Um so that that's what it takes kind of. You know, you you've you've mentioned punk uh, a couple of times in our in our conversation here and I and I know that you know, you know at its at its root, you know, punk kind of has guided a lot of sub genres and a lot of musicians tend to kind of shy away from the categorization of of what they do hawthorne heights is considered to be largely an, an emo band or at least you know you you were early on how do you feel about that categorization i mean do you see yourself as an emo band or do you see yourself as something 
different. No, I mean, we're, we're all in, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we've always considered ourselves an emo band from the beginning. This is who we are. We have the same influences that we did have. Um, we don't run away from things just because they became popular. You know what I mean? There was a time you, you remember in the nineties when, when punk broke and when ska broke and those were great times. It was, it didn't make punk any less cool. It just made it more exposed. So there's still punk bands. I think no effects still wants to be called a punk band. Green day, still a punk band. You know what I mean? Right. They've had massive success over the years. Uh, but they are still a punk band. You know, we're an emo band. We we don't run from it. We do love, like, you can either look back on nostalgia in two ways. It's toxic and it holds you back. Or it's very positive and very memorable and remarkable. So we look back at, like, even the MySpace days. You know, one of the activations on site is a big MySpace banner that you put your face into. You make we we will put you in like crazy makeup so you can remember how silly you were. Right. This, these are fun memories. These are not like you don't look back at yourself. You, this is reverence. This is all about like, hey, there was a moment in time where this was all massive over MTV, over everything. And kids grew up in that in that phase. But 20 years later, they're still listening to these tunes. You know, it's like when the Beatles had mop tops. Every kid in America tried to grow their hair out yeah. to look like the Beatles, but you don't you don't make fun of that hairstyle of the Beatles. You just consider it the mop top. You know what I mean? Right. So like you got to watch out to be too like sarcastic or snarky about the time period that you grew up in because you got to hold it in high regard. We are definitely not the Beatles, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a funny joke, not a. Uh, uh, negative spirited joke. Do you know what I mean? Totally so like, that's kind of how yeah. you gotta, that's kind of how you gotta look at it. It's like growing up as a kid, you did awesome things as an adult, you're going to do awesome things. And we just want to be the soundtrack to you just having a ball. I, I know I don't have a whole lot of time with you, so I do want to kind of you know, touch on you know what the band is doing now. I know there's a couple of singles that are out on, on Spotify's Lucerne Valley and Dandelions. Is, is are there plans for a, a new album coming out, or you know, where where's the band going from from this point forward? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely we have a lot of music in the tank, a lot of stuff on the books, a lot of ideas. My, our our heads are always swimming. We use all these moments that we're doing to capture inspiration for when we can take time in the studio. We do have some stuff locked and loaded. Um, to be honest with you, we're kind of loving the modern music model of releasing singles around impact moments of things you have happening instead of releasing an album and trying to make impact moments. Right. So we love, we loved how we rolled out Lucerne Valley and dandelions based on whether it be when we were young or another type of our, our headlining tour in the fall, like stuff like that. So I think that we'll, we'll get something out this summer that coincides with all this wonderful stuff that we're doing. Um, that's kind of the idea at the moment, but I love the idea of just, you know, dumping it over when we're ready and like not having to wait on things like radio and video and right. stuff. And uh, I just love that. And I think fans love that too. I think fans like to wake up one Friday morning and they look in their Spotify and on their release radar, boom, 
here's a new Hawthorne Heights song. Now my whole weekend's planned. I love this. <laughs> uh, so I kind of like that. I, it, it, it's fun. It's a fun model for me. Uh, that weekend in September, the 17th, when you guys are going to be in Mansfield, Mass., the night before you guys, or two nights before, you guys are going to be at the Riot Fest in Chicago, a, a lineup that is absolutely freaking bananas, what they've uh, put together a, a, again. I hope you guys will be well-rested by the time you get out to Massachusetts. Well, there is no rest this summer. Yeah. This summer is this summer is no sleep till Dayton till we get home. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like we've we've been able to put together a lot of really cool things, and we're so excited to play Riot Fest for the first time. We're just enamored with it. We think it's first class. We think they always have the best bands. We love Chicago in general, so we're willing to to have sleepless nights because these memories are what light a fire for us. Yeah. And just being able to see some of these bands ourselves, we are still fans as well. So this summer, we're not getting any sleep. We we understand <laughs> it. Uh, but you know what? The fans don't get any sleep either. Well, they drive to these shows and then they drive home. So we're, we're in the trenches with them. I'm pretty sure there'll be some Duncan waiting for you when you get here. <laughs> nice. There hey, you go. I take mine iced. Cream, sugar, and blueberry. That's my vibe. That's uh, the JT. Fair enough. Fair enough. JT, <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I'm so glad that we could uh, that we could do this again. And I hope I hope you guys have a great summer. We'll see you when you get to Mansfield. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation. And uh, you know, thanks for talking music and keeping it alive. All right. Anytime. Thank you, JT. Appreciate it. The Massachusetts is for Lovers Festival date is September 17th at the Xfinity Theater in Mansfield, Massachusetts. Tickets are still available. It's going to be a great show. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to like it, share it, subscribe, and review it. You can also follow us on all the various socials and email me at backsatrock102.com. I'd love to know what you think. Thanks again to ZM Home Buyers, ZM Homes.com, and thanks to you for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast.